welcome to the Through Our Eyes podcast, uh, where we discuss the um, topics that people don't like to discuss, really, and uh, share marginalised creators' stories. Um, we are recording this, so the alerts are going on silent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared. I know what I'm doing. I'm just mimicking faces, don't you worry. And um we will be taking questions at the end, but there is a channel points redeemable if you wish to submit a question for um Sugar Pixie to answer. Um but yes, uh Would you like to uh Introduce yourself, Arthramus, and uh, uh, the concept of Through Our Eyes to the audience. Well, I suppose I can. Hello, everyone. I'm Arthramus, the, the co-host of the Through Our Eyes podcast and the, the lead host of the Through Our Eyes streams, which were created at the beginning of this year to bring attention to marginalised communities and creators and to sort of address those awkward topics you don't normally discuss and to answer those questions that marginalized creators don't normally get asked because it could be rude or uh, a, a little bit uh, a little bit of a touchy subject so we essentially created this to do away with those barriers and make sure that everybody is comfortable enough to answer those questions so we don't have to just keep wondering anymore we had the last big through our eyes stream last week on saturday which was our bipoc special so black indigenous and people of color special which was absolutely incredible. Between us, we raised over $2,000 for Hate is a Virus, which is going to go towards helping a lot of people who have been impacted by, well, racism and COVID-19. And the next one is coming up in two months' time, which will be a health special. So, so far, we are only $300 off of raising five grand with the Through Our Eye streams so far. And uh, in less than six months. So that's pretty damn cool. I mean, that in itself just shows that um, it's worth doing and it's uh, um, making a goddamn difference. So mm -hmm. um, with the podcast, we decided that we we're going to narrow in on individual creators' stories um, to give them a bit more time to talk about their individual scenarios and situations and experiences um, because we found that during the big events, there's just there's just not there's not enough time to to <laughs> highlight every single person and their individual um situation um which obviously has its pluses and minuses it's a, it's a yeah. having a conversation with a group is is has its benefits while having a conversation with one particular person to highlight one story is is a different situation so we yeah. we started the podcast um so today we have sugar pixie would you like to introduce yourself and your shenanigans your your uh um uh socials your where can people find you yeah sure thing so uh, i'm sugar pixie i uh, go by she her and i live in belgium my husband and my two and our two cats 
Uh, I'm a small variety streamer on Twitch, uh, where I play all sorts of games. I try to stream T the four times a week, but that doesn't happen very often lately, because fatigue. Uh, we'll get to that later. Mm. <laughs> um, the reason for that is that I have an inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD for short, which is uh, why I wanted to be on the podcast today. So thank you for having me. It's a very important topic to me. Um, besides that, I've also been dipping in and out of therapy uh, the past couple of years due to social anxiety, depression, uh, fear of being disliked, that sort of jam. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy streaming because I love playing games half since I was a little kid, but also because it, uh, it helps me accept myself for who I am. Like one of my biggest issues is fear of being disliked by other people for whatever reason my brain makes up in in my head and streaming helps with that because it forces me to just put myself out and be like hey this is me this is what i'm doing deal with it which is hard but it's getting better and i enjoy it um and other than that i play the accordion although very poorly <laughs> um i love baking and in non-covid times i dance in a choreo group every week that we perform with as well at various shows and stuff so that's it in a nutshell can we uh, uh just uh, go back to the part where you called yourself a small streamer and nip that in the fucking bud you are not oh no you, uh, oh no I, oh, I, drags I, off. <laughs> I am of the mindset that you're only small if you think you're small and okay telling yourself that is reinforcing your brain's uh, um whole hating of itself and and anxiety and no one's small i mean you've got people no i totally yeah. turn up to your streams like how how many people uh, can say that like you you have some people turning up to your streams doesn't matter what the fucking number is just because twitch tells you that that's how to be uh, um successful does not mean that you are any any less valid as a streamer you are a streamer End of story. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. No, it's true. It's just part of my whole. I'm scared. Yeah. I've been there. I will counter, though. I am a small streamer because I'm literally just five foot tall. <laughs> okay. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't uh, argue with, uh, <laughs> with your this, physical this height. off the ground. So <laughs> you win this. Yeah, <laughs> if you wish to refer to yourself as a small streamer because you're literally uh, <laughs> um, yeah. of uh, below average stature, then that's your your choice. I've but... been described as fun size before, which was slightly insulting, but you know, <laughs> could be worse. Could be pocket sized. <laughs> I've heard that one before. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if it's women's pockets, they're very small. Oh, but, dear yeah. God. Oh, yeah. no, we will get into an entire if thing on that one. pockets, that would be insulting as well, because... <laughs> Either way. Um, just wanted to go off track there with, the, with that, because it's, <laughs> uh, it's something that I find a lot of people end up doing, and it's, it's, just, it's just reinforcing what people are telling you to disapprove of in yourself, and it's, it's bullshit. Anyway. So, would you tell us about um, your your disease? What what is it? What what is um, uh, an inflammatory uh, bowel disease? What is a um... oh, thanks. 
Sorry, I got brought chocolate and a cat. Um, no. What, what is your particular disease? What are the symptoms? What, is the, what happened? How did it yeah. happen? <laughs> okay, so um, uh, IBD or inflammatory bowel disease is mostly people talk about two diseases. So on one hand, there's Cohn's disease, which is the most known one. And the other one is ulcerative colitis, which is what I have. So I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was 16 in my fifth year of secondary school. Um, people, I, I didn't, I didn't feel right. It like didn't feel healthy and I hadn't been for a while, but that wasn't something that I could pinpoint, but in school and especially in gym's class, people started to notice that I was coming gradually paler and paler and i am not a tan person <laughs> to begin with but like ghostly pale like bluish pale and in gym's class in gym class i started to faint or nearly faint like i got blackouts and i couldn't keep my balance and stuff and i remember the teacher like she pulled me aside and she was like uh, you should go to your doctor ask him to have your blood checked because i think you might have Pfeiffer's disease or something. That was what she thought, because that was a typical thing with teenagers, etc. That uh, that she knew of that could cause those symptoms. So I went to the doctor. Uh, I had my blood uh, checked, and I'll never forget the next day because I went back to school um, with my bicycle. And as I was leaving the school after uh, a school day, my dad was waiting for me right outside the gate. Um, to pick me up with the car, put my bicycle in the trunk and go straight to the doctors. Cause he, and he didn't say anything. He just said, the doctor called, your blood results are in and they're not good. And that was all that the doctor said. So I had no idea what was going on. So while we were driving there, I was just panicking and crying like, oh my God, well, like, yeah. you don't know what to expect. <laughs> like what's going on here? Eh? What's, what is this? So we got to the doctors and he was like, well, Normally, uh, your value for like uh, your red blood count is supposed to be 12, 12 and a half minimum, and yours is at six. Mm. So it's like something's not not right here. So he started asking me questions like, have you noticed that you're like losing blood when you go to the bathroom or to the toilet, etc. And I did notice in in the weeks before it was like my um, my menstruation didn't stop, like that I was still seeing blood loss. And he was like, I'm pretty sure that that's not like menstruation anymore, but something else. So I started asking more and more questions. I got sent to the hospital um, and the gastroenterologist there told me like, you're 16 years old. I think it's Crohn's disease based on your symptoms, but we're going to have to do a colonoscopy to be absolutely sure. So that was a massive shock for me. Uh, first of all, because you said like, basically 99% sure that you have a chronic illness, which is, was like a big slap in the face. I, I had never been sick before, even as a kid, like small things, but never like big deals or anything. Um, so I had to go back in for the colonoscopy, which was really scary. I'd never had an IV before. Uh, I'd never been in the hospital before for more than a couple of hours, etc. They put me to sleep, they did the colonoscopy, and then afterwards I remember the doctor coming into the room and he was like, it's not Crohn's disease, it's blah, 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 blah. And he was off again because he had to talk to someone else. We had to see another patient and I was like, okay, it's not Crohn's, so what is it? So he said ulcerative colitis, which is colitis ulcerosa in Dutch. But because it's, he said it so quickly, it just went completely over my head. 
And then later he came back and he explained like your you have an autoimmune disease, which basically means that your body is rejecting your own uh, inner lining of your colon. Um, which means your white blood cells are act actively trying to fight your own colon or the inside layer of your colon, which causes inflammation, pain, blood loss, etc. Um, so I got medication and then from there it was a long journey to medication that worked for me. Uh, at first it was pills that didn't work, then they started steroids, which is a typical thing that they go to then the steroids didn't work then they started with iv steroids so i had to be uh, uh, put in the hospital permanently to get those uh, i had to get blood transfusions because my blood count was so low uh, then the steroids didn't work they had to send me to another hospital um, in an ambulance uh, to get like an experimental drug uh, also iv based and the doctor told me uh, we're going to give you this IV today. Normally, it, if it works, it works very quickly, but it's only a 75% chance it'll work. Tomorrow we'll do a colonoscopy. If it's good, you can probably leave the hospital within days. If it's not, you're scheduled tomorrow to get your colon removed, because that's the final thing that they do um, with ulcerative colitis. If they can't find anything else that works for you, they just remove your colon completely and you get a... Uh, pouch or stoma or I'm not entirely sure what the correct word is in English, but uh, yeah. Luckily though, next day uh, the meds turned out that they worked and I got to leave the hospital the same evening. So that was the start of my uh, <laughs> ulcerative colitis journey um, in a nutshell. Um, and ever since it's been like a roller coaster between periods of like active disease, which means inflammation, ulcers, etc., and remission, uh, which means you don't really have the ulcers or the blood loss or, or stuff, but the other symptoms like fatigue, which is my biggest issue, they're always there. Like that doesn't go away, even with all the meds and all the stuff that doesn't uh, fade ever, unfortunately. Damn, well, I'm glad the last medication worked. <laughs> Um, I've had one additional episode of active disease since then. So I was 16 when I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And then it took until I was 17 years old-ish until it was fully in remission again. And then I had a second uh, period of active disease when I was in university. I think I was 21. Um, and that took another year uh, to get under control. Because the meds that I used to get, that first IV, that didn't work anymore. Uh, so they put me in another clinical trial. Uh, I was one of the first in Belgium, I believe, to get that uh, specific met also through an IV. And I've been on that ever since. Uh, it's gone through several uh, clinical trials and it's on the market now. And I'm still in remission with that. I had my last one this Tuesday. So <laughs> I think it's because it stays that way. Yeah, that's good. So... Um... Yeah. I don't feel like we uh, uh, got like a, a, a real understanding of what um, yeah. uh, ulcerative celiitis is or uh, colitis. Sorry, yeah, colitis. okay. I can never yeah. so... say it. But yeah, what what is it? What is it? What? <laughs> because you mentioned <laughs> okay, so ulcerative colitis is an um, it's an autoimmune disease. 
uh, where your own body attacks uh, your colon, yeah. basically uh, the inner lady or the the inner layer, uh, yeah, so to speak. But what uh, happens then? Like, yeah, because it attacks your own uh, colon insides, it forms ulcers, which is why it's called ulcerative colitis. It forms ulcers all along the wall of your colon, uh, which causes uh, bleeding, uh, slime. Plus, it's it's disgusting. Honestly, I've seen it like on camera with tests. It's uh, it's not pretty. <laughs> it always starts at the at the end point of your colon, so at the exit or at the anus. Um, and the longer the disease remains active, the further it starts to like go up around the colon until the entire colon is covered. Um, when they discovered my ulcerative colitis, it was up to like the uh, top. If you look at your own. Uh, stomach up to the top left corner so the left half of the colon was completely covered in ulcers and inflammation and all that good stuff um, but yeah that's the the center the symptoms so the symptoms is uh, nausea diarrhea slime loss um, blood loss uh, anemia because of the blood loss in periods of active disease, you basically feel like you have to go to the toilet constantly. Like at my worst, I felt like I needed to run to the bathroom, like actually run. Like if I don't go now, it'll like come out right now, uh, like 30 times per hour minimum. So it's just every two, three minutes you're running for the bathroom and then you're there and nothing happens and nothing comes. It's just the constant pain and the ulcers and the inflammation that make you feel like I have to go right now or we're going to have an accident here. So it also, uh, you mentioned that um, you're going to remission. So it's more of a um, phasic uh, um, illness yeah, rather yeah. than a constant on, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Basically, uh, your mats are supposed to punch it back into remission so that your body stops uh, inflaming your own colon. So in remission, there's no ulcers, there's no blood loss, there's no slime loss. It looks like a normal colon from a healthy person. Um, and when it's active, it's covered in ulcers and yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask something else about what it was. Uh, <laughs> what would also be good to mention is that one of the biggest triggers to like trigger uh, an, an episode of inflammation and all that stuff is stress. Stress is yeah. a huge trigger. Both that, times in my life, uh, it was triggered by stress. So, what what stress triggered it for you? What what I mean, if you uh, want to share, that's. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, sure, absolutely. Uh, the first time when I was sixteen, uh, it was I was wasn't doing very well in school. I was struggling to keep up, and my parents were going through a really rough episode in their marriage, like lots of fighting, lots of shouting, etc. It 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 worked out in the end, but just the constant stress of like parents fighting, uh, the threat of a divorce, plus doing badly in school. Um, there was some real drama going on with some friends of mine in secondary school who were like talking behind the back and you know, you know how teenagers get. <laughs> yeah. It was like all that that probably caused the first one and the second one um, was a couple of things. I My first boyfriend who I was in a relationship uh, with then uh, seven months or so, 
he uh, had a death in the family which uh, got him thinking and he decided that he was into men more than he was into women. So uh, he ended the relationship. That was my first relationship end, so that was really uh, tough for me. And then additionally, which was the main trigger, was that the building where I had my dorm room, uh, there was a fire and everything mm. was just gone. <laughs> and those oh, two, no. that was the second trigger. Yeah, I mean, so both like serious stress. Yeah, events. no, like <laughs> those are yeah. serious, str seriously stressful situations. But the reason I asked is because I wanted to highlight that it's not necessarily like a life death situation stress trigger. It's it's average no. events in your life that uh, yeah, one person may be okay. The other person may get extremely stressed in those situations. I mean, if you had a fire, then that tends to stress most people out. But it's it's not these out of the world situations of being attacked by a lion or something, or no, <laughs> that no. is that can it's bring about these things. Normal um, things in life that keep stacking up. Yeah. Did... Quick question, though. Sorry, dragged oh, interrupt. But just to. It, do you need to be predisposed to having it as in is it a genetic condition that's what i was or, about to ask because I, I just wanted to ask i don't want somebody to in university to hear this and be like oh god i'm so behind and then think they're suddenly gonna end up covered in ulcers this is what i was about to ask is like yeah. is, is there a genetic component to it yeah, exactly just so we don't panic anybody unnecessarily yeah. <laughs> So they don't know for sure exactly what causes it, but there is a suspicion that genetics are involved as well as uh, food or dietary uh, things. Um, they think this because it's only people in, well, mostly uh, people in like the rich Western countries that get it, uh, ulcerative colitis. So they think there's like a dietary element. There's mm. also genetics involved, uh, all sorts of things basically that trigger it. But yeah, I don't think that anyone uh, that gets stress can suddenly end up with a colon covered in ulcers. I mean, I hope the, not. <laughs> the point is, is that there are a lot of factors that play into these things. It's yeah. not, it's not a if you get stressed, you'll get ill. No, no, it's just because it's a, a lot combination of illness is triggered things. by stress doesn't necessarily mean that all stress triggers illness. No, no, <laughs> there are a lot that of factors. Said, yeah, if you do get massively stressed and then you end up going, hmm. There's blood where I don't expect blood, or how I shouldn't be fainting like this, then yeah, maybe do talk to a doctor, because that won't, well, it's very unlikely just to be your very stressed, and if you are stressed to that degree, then yeah, so make sure you talk to somebody, and bless you. It mainly highlights the importance of um, trying to um, understand your stress levels and how to act proactively before you get to a point where that illness may come about um recognizing that stress is one of these things that triggers quite a lot of illnesses is is well it's it's it's, it's really important it's a lesson that i i mean i didn't learn it and <laughs> I, 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 that's how i made myself ill as well it's 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 one of those things it is a big factor but there are a lot of factors that play into it. Um, okay, so we went over that. Um, what's something that you wish people knew about IBD? Oh, many things. 
Um, that it's not just in the active inflammation periods that it's rough to live with the disease. That's probably the most important one. Like even if it's in remission and you're not covered in ulcers on the inside, there's still always the fatigue. Um, various other things that can happen to you because of your medication. Like the meds for this stuff are no joke. They're really heavy medication that causes a lot of side effects. Um, one of the main meds that they use to treat ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease as well, I believe, is immunosuppressants. And if they work, that's great. But you pick up all sorts of infections and nasty stuff as a result. Like it's sort of a pro, pros outweigh the cons kind of deal, but not really. It's uh, that's rough. Um, Painkillers is another fun one. Um, I'm only allowed to ever use paracetamol and no other painkillers that are on the heavier side of the spectrum if I ever really need them because anything with like ibuprofen or anything like that can trigger an inflammation because there's an like interactive little thing going on there. There's a fine line with uh, with pain uh, medications isn't there where it's like well on the one hand if you're in a lot of pain you want something stronger than paracetamol but on the yeah. other anything stronger than paracetamol is likely to cause its own issues and yeah. side effects and interact and badly with your stomach. As we discussed before, a lot of painkillers will also uh, give you massive constipation, which I don't think you want if you end up with massive ulcers and need to use the loo a lot. No, no, indeed. No. That, that's, I mean, we, we tend to go down this path a lot for some reason. Talk about poop a lot. It's time for the constipation <laughs> talk. How... <laughs> It, is there a issue for you if con that constipation will actually make your situation worse or is it going to is it something that you have to actually really worry about or keep on top of um in remission no but funnily enough, uh, the symptom of active disease is diarrhea. So it's always diarrhea and bloody and all that jazz. But in mm. remission, one of the things I struggle with is constipation, actually. Because um, yeah. apparently my colon is A, too long, and B, too spirally. Apparently it's hell to navigate for a colonoscopy, or so the doctor tells me. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's too long and too spirally, it takes more moisture out of my poop, basically. So All I struggle right. with constipation a lot. Like there are a lot of the days where I go to the bathroom, it feels like I'm like splitting in two down there because it's that painful. So yeah. for the disease, it's not really an issue in itself, but it's hella uncomfortable. <laughs> I was just wondering if like due to the effects of your disease, despite the fact that in remission, you don't have the ulcers, whether from like long-term um, effects of ulcers um weakening of of the lining or even just scarring or any of these uh, things scarring is could a thing. potentially make things like constipation much worse for you or be something that's yeah i have a genuine um, concern. some scarring at the at the very end of my colon apparently i have a little scarring because that's where my uh, inflammation was the most severe um and uh, there's like I don't know how to uh, what they call them in English officially. Basically, let's just say there's some extra flaps down there, and sometimes when I'm really constipated, they tear, and then there's blood all over the <laughs> a, a fissure. It's just like open wounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, 
uh, yeah, that's called an anal fissure, and you can get those even without IBD or IBS. Uh, because, you can get uh, you can get those. Skin ain't particularly thick down there. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yes. Um, there's. So, I mean, even <laughs> this is this going into far too much detail on it probably, but even straining too hard can give you those. So you know, it's it's something that's actually quite normal that no one really talks about because it's taboo and yeah. it's it's icky and it's like it's something that you should really you know you should yeah. be thinking about your diet and uh, uh how much fluid you're uh, intaking and all these things to make sure that you don't go through those kind of things but well that's, with, well, that's why yeah. i always like to share my favorite fact about the skin down there and how thin it is that <laughs> if you are a person that can give birth and you do, naturally, and a uh, baby decides to be a little bit bigger than what you got the equipment for, you can bet that the butt is just going to rip itself in half because it has oh. to make the, uh, the, the hole bigger. So, yeah, all that shit will rip and bleed, and that's why they do say, if you notice a tiny bit of blood on your toilet paper, don't worry, that's fine. Your butt might just hurt for a bit. If you notice lots, then you need to talk to somebody. Yes, preferably. Yes. I do think Scrubs got it right when they sang that everything's a, uh, everything is a not I recently <laughs> watched that episode, actually. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And yeah, perineal ripping, that's the term. That's the one. It just, it just... Anyway. And then they have to sew it back together. My mum loves to tell me that story about me being born, because uh, I was evil, apparently. I did this with my nails. So many internal stitches, apparently. Every yeah. every uh, woman who's just heard that has just clenched. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. That would have made it worse. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Just mm. uh... right. So, um, tell us a bit more about how having this uh, affects your life physically and emotionally, and even socially. Uh, yeah. So, mental health is a big issue for me, not just because of the ulcerative colitis, but it's definitely played a, played a part in it. Uh, for starters, I can't work full-time because of my fatigue issues, um, which causes like the uh, all that good stuff, like feelings of guilt towards your husband because you can't do as many chores in the house as he can. Uh, the whole, hey, I should iron the laundry and do all this other stuff, but I'm too fatigued too, and I won't be worried check tomorrow if I do that now, etc. Um, and also the whole thing with insurance and social security and all that. So, um, I can't work full times. So my doctor is behind me. My GP is behind me. They're all like, you know, you're right. It's better that you can work half time or whatever and function properly than be forced into a full time and just crash completely, which has happened before. Um, but every year I have to go back to the government people to, you know, go and prove that I'm still fatigued and still chronically ill and depending on who it is behind the desk you get all sorts of shit like uh, you're too young to say you can't work full-time for the rest of your life you know all those classic uh, quotes um so i have the label of partially disabled i think i'm 66 percent approved and 33 percent disabled or something on paper i didn't <laughs> realize it could be a so percentage like <laughs> yeah, over here it can. So 66% uh, of me is good, and then 33 is like, nope. 
So I can work, uh, I think, um, 50 to 60 percent and then the rest is compensated because I can't do that for medical reasons. Um, another thing that has affected me a lot is just the fact that uh, this goes for a lot of people with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. A lot of people get a diagnosis uh, when they're a teenager. Uh, I got mine when I was 16. And that just had a massive impact on me as a person because, you know, when you're 16, everyone's discovering, you know, what they want, want to do in life, what they want to go study, uh, what their sexuality is, uh, they're getting their first relationship, they're experimenting, you're, they're partying, you know, all that stuff. And all I was thinking of is passing my school year and getting better or getting well again. That was all I could could like think about at that time. And I feel like I'm in some ways I'm still playing catch up now. I'm 31 years old now and I still feel like I'm playing catch up. Like I never really got to go through that phase properly of going up and discovering who I am and that sort of stuff. <clears throat> that gets me very emotional because it's very hard to talk about but yeah i um, can very much understand that but um you're never too old to no. experience any like let, let's let's get over this like assumption that there's a certain age where you have to start being responsible or start being less less like a kid or or you know you have to um behave yourself or be proper fuck that People that act their age creep me the fuck out. <laughs> like, like I have never met a grandma that's like those grandmas you see in films, like all prim and proper and making cookies and wearing a fucking apron. Like, my nan wears a boob dress and goes to the pub. Like, come on. Probably shouldn't say that, but you know. She likes a nice, she likes a nice fitting dress. That's really what I meant. But like, I, yeah, people that sort of try to act wise and mature, just, it's like, what are you hiding? Why aren't you happy? Have some fun, would you? Come on. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just, just stop ha having this like assumption that that uh, you've got to fulfil all society's uh, um, uh, images of your sex, your age, your like, your your job, your health, any of these things. Damn Don't you, know. capitalism! It's just, just. just do what makes you happy. Do, act like you it, that makes you happy. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, and you're having the best life that you can live. Um. Okay, you know. <laughs> if you don't want to do those chores, buy a a desktop uh, washing machine. Um, to do it for you, or uh, dishwasher. Sorry, or uh, um. It, it it's my current um obsession that. There's ah. now countertop um, dishwashers that you can fill yeah. with water and they, they just do the dishes for you. Instead of spending like three days building up to the dishes and then it just coming back again because you have no energy for doing those things. The dishes are the bane of my life. Right? I hate them. Right? I hate dishes. dishes Sorry, are we're like... just bitching about random household chores. Sorry, Pixie. <laughs> no, no, the point is, is that no one likes dishes, right? No one likes doing washing up. But in the UK, dishwashers aren't, aren't, aren't commonplace in most houses. Um, but if you have a, an illness, 
a chore like doing the dishes is ten times worse than it was if you were just healthy person. What? Wait, what? What just happened? That I posted a thing, but I'll send it as a comment. I forgot, but it actually with the dot in it counts as a link. My bad. And then anyway. you have a way to help you with your uh, with with your dishwasher idea. So either way, my point was <laughs> if 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 something helps you, don't feel like it's you're letting the side down by not being able to do it anymore, or that you're somehow not meeting people's expectations of you because you want to concentrate your energies on something much more fulfilling to you than say doing a chore or working full time but it does suck to have to feel like you have missed out on those formative years oh yeah yeah i can i yeah. can completely understand that and yeah like it's yeah it's not your fault but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt any less it's okay to be upset about it and angry yeah yeah it's normal um but don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it now not that i'm saying like run away from your husband or anything i'm just saying that don't feel limited by by that expectation just because you're in your 30s that you can't go and i don't know dye your hair uh pink uh um get a tattoo that you'll regret later <laughs> <Quite> and... <laughs> um... no i'm lucky i have a very very good therapist uh, uh that i've been seeing for a couple of years now and that's really helped me to move on beyond this social anxiety that i struggle with which is not just because of the ibd it was there before i was bullied pretty heavily in in primary school and that was the biggest trigger for that but the whole ibd thing didn't help <laughs> did did you get bullied because of your diagnosis when you were in school uh the bullying the worst bullying was in primary school before i had my my chronic illness yeah but that was just because i had good grades and because i had freckles and because i was good at school basically yeah. those were the three things that they decided were target practice yeah um but i did get bullying in in secondary school as well from someone who i considered one of my closest friends at the time actually uh, like behind my back uh like I got back to school and I could barely like walk. I had to take the elevator to go to classrooms on the first floor just because I was so fatigued because of the anemia and the meds and everything. And they were sending Facebook messages and stuff behind my back years later. That chronic illness bitch and that bowel, you know, that, that sort of stuff. So that really, <laughs> that really hurt. Yeah, um, I can imagine. But also, what? Like, oh. Yeah. I mean, like, that's... She has issues itself and yeah unnecessary in in yeah. every single way but i'm just trying to fathom why like i mean obviously um a lot of bullying is usually like you said in primary school is usually things like your intelligence or the fact that they'll pick one thing physically about you and and just go to town on it because they have their own insecurities yeah. and issues and they don't know how to deal with that and this that's how they lash out but to pick on someone because they are suffering a chronic illness 
that they have no control over and are in constant pain. And that's... In hindsight, she just had a, she had a lot of issues with attention. Like, she always had to be the center of yeah. attention. Oh, okay. And I was going to say, it's that was the, I think that was the biggest, the biggest factor there, that, like, the spotlight wasn't on her anymore because people were worried about me and asking, like, hey, how are you doing and how's your health and stuff. I think that was okay. the, the biggest factor there, just the whole, yeah. I'm not the center of attention anymore. Yeah. Kids can be bastards. Yeah, definitely. Oh. But I should I should mention something good came out of it as well, out of the whole IBD thing. Um, I mentioned this before that baking is one of my biggest hobbies. Mm. I actually discovered my uh, my love for baking because of my illness, basically. Um, after I got out of the hospital at sixteen, like I wasn't allowed, I was barely allowed to eat anything, like just low fiber low no spices no salt n no flavor basically <laughs> so after i was allowed to eat everything again i became super obsessed with trying recipes and cooking <laughs> and baking <laughs> and that's actually what like fueled my my love for cooking and especially baking uh and up to this day you're not gluten-free or you uh, are no i no, no, I don't. I don't have any dietary restrictions. It it differs from person to person with inflammatory bowel diseases, but I can pretty much eat anything. I don't drink alcohol though. Um, mm -hmm. I never started at first because I wasn't allowed with all my meds. It would be way too heavy on the liver. And after I was allowed again, I just never started. I never bothered. Yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. I don't really want to like poke the dragon now, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um. So you never tried it or anything, but like like one or two glasses of champagne or something with Christmas, but other than that, I don't okay, really drink, and did that uh, drink ever alcohol. Have any effect on like irritating? No, no, no. Just wondering because these are all kind of things that tend to. That was just me being nosy because I'm a geneticist. I'm I. <laughs> the biologist in me was just like, ooh, what was it? <laughs> but, <laughs> It's it's good to see that you can you can in, still enjoy all types of foods because often people with yeah. IBDs don't tend to be able to have like gluten or or dairy or various levels of of it. So it's good that you are still able to enjoy that and you've found a love for for uh, baking. Um, yeah, it's it's a dream of mine to start a self-employed at some point with my own cake company working from yeah. home but it's i'm i'm looking into it actively at the moment actually but it's going to have to it's going to be an experiment to see how i can do because of the fatigue i have to see how i can manage a good balance between getting enough rest and having my own company but yeah. that's for next year depending on oh. if i still have a job or not you could stream cake decorating. Yeah. It'd be so cute. <laughs> I did that with Christmas. I did cookie decorating stream with royal icing, like all sorts of cookies with, I don't know, polar yeah. bears with sweaters and that kind of stuff. That sounds adorable. <laughs> most most people um, uh, uh, love watching uh, um, people decorate cakes and, and, I mean, it's food. What's not to love about it? Especially like, that fancy pouring icing with all the different colours. Oh, right. That's just satisfying. Oh, the miracles, yes. Yes, <laughs> so satisfying. Just, just 
don't don't convince yourself to put it off for oh well can i or can't i or or oh well i'll do it next year or or oh well, i've got other things to do do what you do what you want yeah I'm it sounds really, like actively you, you looking at now yeah. when you talked about it <laughs> and then the moment that you went oh that 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 crushes my soul a little bit because i could see the the joy in you when you were like yes cakes and and cooking and i'd really <laughs> like to do this and then and then that realization that you're limited by things and we we, we, yeah, we no, want to see the uh, want to see the the joy that you have and embrace that um i got the the news last week or so that there's a possibility that i won't have a job anymore next school year so that's been like the trigger to actively go mm. okay fuck it cake <laughs> yeah give it a go i mean it kind of oh. sounds like you didn't really want to do it anyway like work um no this last year has been <laughs> Not the in work atmosphere. No, it's uh... one of the chat uh, people in the chat says RGB cakes. I'm just imagining those strip lights. You could actually do <laughs> an RGB gamer cake by wrapping it around some like fondant icing. Oh my god! Oh, that would be cool. And you spin it, and it's just like a fucking light show. <laughs> do it. Do also, it. I, Note to I, self. <laughs> I think Elgato has recently released uh, some like wireless cameras actually for like baking streams and things like that. Uh, and you set them up at like four different points so that you can snap to each camera wirelessly without all the cables. And they actually started giving them out to baking streamers so they could show like different angles of cooking and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Which was so cool. So you'd have like one facing down into the pans and pots and things like that and another one into the into the mixer and so cool. So very cool. Um, so I had a bunch of audience questions submitted prior to the uh, um, prior to the stream last week. Uh, <laughs> um, the first one is you've just shown us that that's that's irrelevant. Uh, there are you don't have any food triggers, right? So you've you've got no. Not in remission. When you're like in an episode of active disease, there's loads of things you can't eat. Okay. But in remission, it's it's it differs from person to person. It's experimentation. Okay. So tell us about when it's active. What 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 do you personally in, in enjoy or it's enjoy experience? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where my brain went there. What do you personally experience in that? when you're in active disease when it comes to food um, you're not allowed to eat anything with with fiber or high fiber so you're allowed to eat vegetables and potatoes and all that but they all have to be boiled to death basically so that there's no <laughs> which is terrible because it doesn't taste like anything it's yeah. just like leek or beans or whatever that have been boiled until they're gay and completely tasteless um, you can't use anything that's spicy, so no spices, no no herbs or anything. Um, uh, what else? Only lean meats, nothing with a lot of fat in it, so no bacon or pork or stuff. It's mostly just chicken and turkey and uh, fish 
and that's also usually steamed or something and without any spices so it's like cardboard it's not very good um so you have to watch like out a... with dairy yeah yeah it sounds like a lot of things that won't remove water from your system so no salt uh no salts no fibers Basically yeah, nothing that will that... like like um, irritate your uh, your intestines. So no spices yeah. or anything that would trigger. Uh, yeah, and nothing with like little seeds or whatever in it or anything that would. Um, yeah, trigger even worse inflammation or pain or irritation or whatever. Um, going to. Uh, again, I was going to say something. I completely forgot. Sorry, my brain. Oh, also just... for um, for colonoscopies as well, you're not allowed to eat any of those things because the seeds and stuff um, stay in there. And then when they want to pass through with the camera, and you get like strawberry seeds or whatever in your <laughs> in your skull, yeah. it's not very nice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Too graphic, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, oh, what about fats? No fats. You said like bacon and, and high-fat meats, but in general, like oils, cooking oils and uh, butters? And... No. Like, cooking oil, I think, is okay, but only very, very small amounts, like only what's absolutely necessary. No mayonnaise, uh, no, no ketchup, none of that stuff. Yeah. No heavy sauces or anything. So how would you would you add any flavors to your cooking? As in like would you have any any herbs or would it be uh, in a period burned? of active disease no just a little salt maybe to like not make it total cardboard experience but other than that yeah. no. Okay. Um just wanted to clarify that because it was like this is this is something like you you don't appreciate how much is then removed until you cannot yeah. have any seasonings or anything and no sauces no and that's that's tough um yeah. that's not an enjoyable experience for anyone um well I'm, I'm sure there are some people that enjoy it but i'm sure they still add like one thing often it's usually ketchup i find people yeah. with bland diets tend to gravitate towards things like ketchup um yeah with your uh autoimmune medications are there any foods that you need to avoid with those because i know that the ones that uh my mother is on which are biologics you cannot have grapefruit it will practically just kill you <laughs> can't have grapefruit um, with uh, um antidepressants either well that so, i didn't know because i haven't had grapefruit in a while I think my mom's on really aggressive blood thinners and she's not allowed to ever eat grape food or something either because of like dangerous interaction between the two. Uh, in my yeah. case, the meds that I'm on now, there's no food things or whatever that are restricted. But meds I've been on in the past, uh, there were like the immunosuppressants that I was talking about earlier. Those are super, super rough on the liver, among other things. So you're not allowed to drink alcohol or anything else that's really... Um, hard for the liver to process. Um, yeah, because yeah, those are what I'm on every week. So, yeah, 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 irritating, yeah, irritating. Uh, 
Um, so one of the other questions from um, the submission was, how do you explain IBD to people who have never heard of it? And what is their reaction? Um, usually, um, I say that it's like uh, an autoimmune disease, uh, what I said before, autoimmune disease that um, actively fights your own colon, uh, which is not like 100% too scientifically, but, you know, to explain it to people. Um, usually people haven't heard of ulcerative colitis, so I just say like, do you know anyone with Crohn's disease or have you heard of Crohn's disease? Because that's usually a little more well known. Um, and then the, yeah, just the ulcers, the diarrhea, uh, the pain, the fatigue, especially, uh, I think that's a very important one to always mention. And how do people react? Um, usually they're pretty understanding, but you, you notice that it's very hard for people to wrap their head around it when they haven't experienced it themselves or with anyone close to them. Uh, a lot of people immediately start asking about food, like, are you allowed to eat that? Like, isn't that going to make you sick? Which is really irritating. Mm. Like, stop doing that. People that are, have an illness know what's good for them or what's not good for them. And even if ice cream or whatever isn't good for them, but they really crave ice cream, let them have the flipping bowl of ice cream. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that, and then usually when people ask the difference between Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, so ulcerative colitis is just the colon, usually, uh, and Crohn's, uh, to put it poetically, can be from gum to bum, so all the way from the mouth to, <laughs> that's what it said on the internet, I saw that the other day, from <laughs> gum to bum, I was like, I need to get that in, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's a good, that's a good yeah. description of it. Uh, scientific, definitely. Uh, Very. <laughs> um, how do you deal with the embarrassing and awkward aspects of the disease? I talk about them very openly. I joke about it as well. Um, when I had just met my husband, that was one of the things that he told me afterwards that he liked about me, that I was so open and joke, you know, joking about my illness and about my experiences like man i have stories to tell about like tests and colonoscopies and stuff like it's so it's so slapstick honestly and the professors and the doctors they're all used to it so like it's just it's like a comedy like for example i had a colonoscopy once well just the end an endoscopy so you didn't i didn't need anesthetic or whatever <clears throat> But then you come in there you have to take off your pants yada yada and then you have to lie down on your side so they can you know, put the camera in <laughs> up the butt. And they just start chatting with you about everyday things like the weather and stuff. And meanwhile, <laughs> so I was lying there and the screen was over there. So I could see like the inside of my colon as he was like going around with the camera. And then as you see, like the tube go in with these measurements, like 10 centimeter, 20, 30, he goes, so how are your studies going? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just this. It's You're just sad, I see. Oh, God. Just, yeah, it's just like, like like someone's just casually rolling up a garden hose or whatever, but mm. you're, you're just, it's just, oh. That sort of stuff is just hilarious. Like my current doctor that I have now, he's, he's like that as well. He's like super chill and hyperactive and has a great sense of humor. So you have those tests, which, which, 
frankly is quite embarrassing and stuff but because it's such like fun all the comedy and the slapstick surrounding it it's it's okay that makes it okay i find that makes it way easier to deal with the disease and the tests and all and all that other stuff to just be very open about it and make jokes and like if anyone has questions about tests or stuff that they do for please Tom, my way, I really don't care about talking about it. I mean, it's nice to hear that you can have a a nice experience with uh, a colonoscopy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but I, I was, I was, I was going to say shocked, but more envious that you said that you'll put under for. <laughs> your first for one. full ones they do yeah for like the, the the last bit they usually don't but for the like the full workout so mm. to speak they they do put you mm. under yeah yeah they uh they only put uh me semi under uh oh no for mine and and they they were like oh well we'll try to put you you fully under when i was in so much uh uh um agony that i uh <laughs> I couldn't oh, yeah. endure it, um, yeah. and uh, then they realised that actually uh, um, uh, I have a super liver, and <laughs> I processed it. You were just metabolising it. Oh my god! It was just like nope. <laughs> and it was like so that so they 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 still to this day have not made it all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> So they've been in one end and one end, but they never got into the middle bit. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sorry to hear that's terrible. I'm but, sorry. <laughs> see, the this thing is like I, I, I quite enjoy being like, you know, oh, it's it's, it's traumatising. Oh, you're going for one of those? Well, good luck on you. But it's it's nice to hear the other side of things where it's like, no, oh, it's you know, put under. It's fine. It's... <laughs> <laughs> now we we just chat over it and i feel uncomfortable and they're laughing and uh, that that sounds you know it, it's good to hear the other side um yeah a doctor that's willing to have a chat with you while something you know that could be embarrassing goes on is really helpful because i mean i remember i had a smear test but i have tattoos on both of my legs and so she was just like oh these are cool and i'm just like okay <laughs> Like, well, this is you're not supposed She's to like... look while you're down there. You're... <laughs> if she doesn't, I'm going to be even more confused. <laughs> She's never going to find what she's after. Like, we're going to end up with an accidental colonoscopy instead. <laughs> oh god, you don't want, to want one of those up in your... Uh... <laughs> not with a speculum, no. no. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no. Sorry. See, this, this is usually how a lot of chronically ill or disabled people do deal with illness is uh, you have to see the light side of things because day to day it's very taxing it's very it's it's on i mean so much of your time is taken up with illness and trying to deal with that and trying to get even just some sense of normality and function to a level that you can even do some dishes or <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say it's yeah. a pain in the ass, but then I started giggling internally and didn't get around to saying it, so... <laughs> yeah. 
You say that, but I was contemplating opening my introduction with I'm here to talk shit, but I didn't. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, God. I lost where I am. Uh, um, what little things do you do in order to make life easier during a flare-up period of remission during treatment ETC? Um, a lot of rest, just lying down, playing games. That's how, yeah, that's just, gaming is just an excellent way to pass the time and be entertained uh, without feeling like the minutes are keeping by at a snail's pace. Um, yeah, just try to find like joy in small things. Take enough rest, play games, play, watch a movie or something, just small things that you enjoy. Maybe revisit your favorite movie or series or something. Just those small things. And keep in touch with friends. Well, the friends that, that are willing to stay in touch, because that's, you know, the other side of the story, usually. Mm. When, like, they're there through the good, but then when the bad hits, you won't see as many people uh, around. But yeah, that just keep in touch with friends. Uh, have phone calls, have video calls, or whatever. Um, try to organize trips that don't require a bathroom every 10 meters. Like when you're in an active period of, like active disease period, you can't go out to, do, you know, go shopping or go to the pub with friends. Because there's pretty much not enough bathroom, uh, bathrooms on the route there and on the route back <laughs> to make it without an accident. So, yeah. Just do small things in the comfort of your own home. Movies, gaming, whatever makes you happy. What's your go-to guilty pleasure on a bad day? Uh, oof, baking. <laughs> but not in a period of active disease, of course. But like right now, for example, if I'm having a bad day where I don't feel like doing anything or I'm tired... Baking something simple, you know, just like a simple cake that's just like throw stuff together, put in the oven, and it's still delicious. Um, and snuggle up on the couch with the two cats and watch a movie or something. Um, eat way too much candy or ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, play games again. Like, I just really like playing games. I think we all do. Uh, <laughs> it's a gay way to pass the time. Nah, I hate them. Nah, stupid. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, and take enough rest. Mm. Um, take a nap when you feel like it, and don't feel guilty because you're taking a nap. Still haven't got the Which is easier said than done, but yeah, yeah no, me neither. That one still gets me. So... I don't know what it is about it, but yeah, taking naps, despite the fact that you know that you, you'll, you'll feel better afterwards or, or that it'll help you get through the rest of your day or that your, your body just is telling you what it needs. And it still feels guilty. Yeah. You still feel guilty about doing it and taking care of yourself. Yeah. I usually succumb to them when I lit my eyes will literally unfocus to the point I cannot keep them open. It's like, okay... So, could you? Uh, can I manually refocus these? No. All right. Time to sleep. I usually yeah. uh, get to the point of uh, um, where everything goes cold. Oof. Like I get blue lips, and I I get like like cold extremities and everything, and I start shivering. That's when I know that I need to go for a nap. 
I was gonna say, that's not falling asleep. That's just, that's just falling into a coffin. Don't do that. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing. It, it, it yeah. comes on randomly and it's weird, but it's, that's the thing. There's like so, so many weird things that your body can tell you and you feel, you still feel guilty about listening to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's good that you you've come to a terms with the idea of 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 like allowing yourself these these periods where you actually are like yep yeah, I need a nap I'll go for a nap or I'll bake a cake or it's it's, it's easy like some days it's easier than others like my husband is a very very organized person like. He's the other side of the spectrum. He doesn't know how to like keep himself busy without it being chores or anything that's useful. Like, which so in, in like you know at first that sounds like a blessing, but you know when you're having a really bad day and he's like vacuuming and cleaning the cat litter boxes <laughs> and then he's gonna go cook and then he's gonna do the dishes and you're lying there like a zombie, mm. like he's doing all the stuff again and I'm not doing anything. I'm being useless. Mm. It's it's really hard to stop yeah. that train of thought. Yeah, oh, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. Um, but um, are you going to be renting him out for? Uh, uh... <laughs> You're meant to be getting a dishwasher, not hiring a dishwasher. <laughs> oh dear! Uh... <laughs> Ask him when he gets home. Stay here. <laughs> I don't want to work anymore, but I got you a second job. <laughs> you need to get a flight, but it should be fine. Oh. But yeah. Um, do you plan out your day based on how temperamental your gut is? Uh, sometimes, yes. Especially like when the disease is active or I feel uh like this is not going to be one of the good days when i get up sometimes when i get up there's immediate painful cramps that i have to like run to the bathroom and i'm like oh my camera your camera is grating i'm talking about fatigue and my camera's like okay like, yo i'm out time for a nap she's okay um oh that was fun like, mm. <laughs> The camera's taking the advice and having a nap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, sometimes in the morning, as soon as I get up and things like switch into gear or something is how I describe it. It's like immediate painful cams. I have to run to the bathroom. And if it's one of those days, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to chill, not eat too much, uh, drink a lot of water and just um, try to relax. If I really have to go somewhere, I'll make sure I go to the bathroom before I leave at least three times. <clears throat> and with fatigue, it's the same thing. Like if, if there's stuff that needs doing and I really need to leave the house, I plan it out. Like I do one big chore today or I do one visit to the supermarket today and then the rest of the day is off limits because I just won't mm. have the spoons. This week especially has been a week like that because I have my meds on Tuesday, the IV, and that's usually like three days of zombiness. So there's still like a pile of laundry over there that needs ironing. But I already told my husband that's going to be for the weekend because I just won't have the energy to do it before that. And he understands, but it's still, uh, it's annoying to see it there and be like, Argh. yeah. I can 
Yeah, I identify with that very much. So <laughs> that's why I just don't do any ironing. I just put it in the wardrobe. Oh yeah, what? Uh, who needs to iron that crap? No, my nan irons underpants. It's just, it doesn't need to happen. Why? No, no. I don't not, unless like you're gonna, <laughs> not unless you're going to put them on immediately afterwards and it's a cold day. Like that. Oh, yeah, can you just done that? But just whack them on the yeah. radiator. Now, <laughs> <Nah>, microwave. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, throw it in, save to defrost, done. There we are. Oh, even the cat didn't like that one. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're a disgrace. <laughs> no, it's fine. He's got an entire sofa to himself, so well, and a hoover, but you know. Oh dear. Yeah, fuck but, the ironing. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I haven't ironed anything in God knows how long. Like, I don't think we've done any ironing for at least two years at this point. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, but there has been a pandemic for three quarters of that, so... Yeah, I think the, the last time I ironed something... Oh, no, I don't even think I ironed it. It was size shirt for um, an interview. And that's the... That, to me, at this point, that's the only thing that needs ironing. So you need to look slightly respectable. <laughs> Plus, ironing a proper shirt and getting all the collars and the fucking sleeves and, like, it can take so long. And then the pocket gets Ugh. crinkled and it's just like, fuck you, pocket. And then and then you <laughs> iron it again and then there's, and then it's like, oh no, but didn't you know you need to iron a very specific line into the front of this? And it's like, you know what, fuck it, I'll buy a new one. <laughs> just throw that one in the bin. Done. Don't care. It's a dish towel now. <laughs> I relate to this so much, it's gay. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, there are pleats in these. It's like, there's not now. No, now it's straight. I don't care. Well, no pleats. I mean, I think that all shirts should just be made, or um, well, in fact, all clothes in general should just be made, like the, the creases will just drop out when you put it on the hanger, because if you put it on the hanger, if you yeah, lay it out yeah. slightly. Like, no. <laughs> no. If you put it in a pile on the floor, it should just be perfect when you pick it up. <laughs> Especially not... when the cat has laid in it, you know. I'm not going to lie, there is currently a pile of washing in the bedroom that the cat has used as a pillow for a good two days. Oh, I was... Ooh, yeah, um, two days, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been raining a lot. I've not had any time to fucking dry laundry, so... Yeah, my garden started to look like the fucking Lion King, and it's just, oh. <laughs> Seriously, if I found Simbra out there, I would not be surprised. <laughs> Wake up in I the morning. It's just like Hakuna Matata about my fucking laundry. I think I feel like we've got to that point of uh, uh, pandemic uh, um, uh, zero fucks that it, it's just now a kind of <laughs> I'm only dressed because the TOS requires it, you know. <laughs> if not, there's a blanket here that would do perfectly well. <sighs> I think we should start a trend. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that could work. Ogres, just made out of blankets. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, if you had a single wish, 
but you could only use it to inform people about something. What would that something be? Oof. And inform inform them about like involving something about my illness or anything at all. My dear, that's all I got. <laughs> Honestly, the question to me was just a bit like, surely if you have a single wish, you're going to use it to get rid of your fucking illness. <laughs> I had <don't> to. <laughs> um. No, you see, no, I, I, I like it. I, I'll, I'll keep it. It's fine. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, it really does depend what else I could wish for, because, uh... Yeah. Honestly, I'd sooner wish for my mum to be cured than myself to be cured, in all honesty. Uh... That's a lot kinder than I was gonna say, so... <laughs> we'll go with that. That works. <laughs> now, my mum has uh, arthritis and type 1 di diabetes since the age of 10 and a couple of other mm. things, and especially diabetes. I have seen some nasty shit mm -hmm. uh, since I was born. That I wouldn't want to wish on anyone. So yeah. honestly, like in my current state, I'd rather have like my mom cured than myself. <laughs> but um, if you could use it only to inform people, only to inform people. <laughs> if it was, if it had to be about my illness, then the thing that I mentioned before—that it's not because you're in remission that you're like completely symptom-free and like a normal healthy person mm. um and in general if it's not about my illness no idea honestly like there's so many things how do you pick just one don't be a dick maybe maybe to stop reading fake news about vaccines and believing it mm. <laughs> i did see a very good point about those online uh, about the people that think that people uh, when you get a vaccine you're getting like a chip injected into you because have you, like, with the rise of NFTs and Bitcoin mining and stuff, you cannot buy a CPU or a graphics card to save your life, and you think you are being given chips for free? That is not how it works. Like, no, we'll honestly, take it out of your pension. Yeah, I have no idea how I even get mine, so fuck that. But no, just, like, you ain't, you ain't getting free computer chips. So no, you ain't getting that. You're only you're only getting a free computer chip if uh, if you believe in that. They're only tracking the ones that yeah. believe that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Local yes, doctor here got vaccinated, and his first reaction was, "Man, I got scanned. My five G con my five G connection is terrible." <laughs> yeah. Uh, um... Yeah. Just tell them that they'll only chip the ones who don't get vaccinated. Done. Sorted. <laughs> Big brain. <laughs> oh God! Don't get me started on vaccinating. Uh, I, I've I've got mm. to this point no. where I'm I'm so angry at it right now. I <laughs> I was bitching about it before. Uh... Yeah, there's only one vaccine I've ever rejected having, and it was literally um, I think it was HPV when I was 16 or 17, and that was only because. A couple of friends of mine who I saw go to the school hall and have it literally collapsed outside oh, yeah. within minutes. One of them who was uh, who was chronically ill and had gotten out of a wheelchair was put back in it for a year. And I'm like, I'm going to pass on this for now. Like, I have no family history of anything that this is going to protect me from. I will look at getting it later. 
but oh dear god no like people just flopping on the floor i'm gonna wait like it's still very much worth getting but it was like there's this there's something i want to check into here that being said i ain't seen nobody collapse from the fucking covid vaccine so get your vaccines I don't care if I uh, collapse from the COVID yes. vaccine. I'd just like them to fucking give me it. Yes. Or, you know, yes. uh, give me my booking reference number. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I've still not got it. <laughs> no, we've just been able to get covers booked in for... So it should be by mid-September he's back. But... Trying to get a vaccine appointment was like Russian roulette. Yep. Their, their system's completely and utterly not equipped for no. any kind of functionality. And that in itself is one of the things that really, really fucking angers me. It's like, mm. on terms of um, how this country has performed in dealing with this pandemic, it is disgusting graceful <laughs> yeah. we won't talk about that whiteboard from yesterday anyway so <laughs> let's, let's, let's not get into how much we want to vent about that kind of stuff and um move on to yes. um yes the Tories are not a marginalized community out they go <laughs> we shall not discuss <clears throat> them have you ever had any accidents that you could tackle with a smile? I don't know who put these questions in, by the way. I, 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 I... Um, you don't have to answer it. No, no, I, I want to answer it. I just think okay. um, definitely the accidents that I could not, like, you know, shrug, <laughs> shrug off with a smile. Um, Honestly, the only one I can think of is a couple of colonoscopies when I had my period at the same time, which I found really embarrassing, and the nurse mm -hmm. was just like, eh, we're used to it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so then we just joked about it. That's like the only one that comes to mind. Okay. Um, I mean, I felt it was a really odd question, to be honest, but either way, um, submitted from the audience today, what recommendations mm -hmm. are given for maintaining higher fluid levels in an effort to potentially preclude constipation issues from lack of colonic lubrication? <laughs> it's a really eloquent so, way of putting it. <laughs> okay, so recommendations that are given to avoid constipation, basically. Yeah, basically. How do you avoid getting constipated? How do you get more fluids in? <laughs> um... Eat enough fibers, drink enough water, a uh, combination of the two. People always think that fibers actually constipate you more, but not if you drink enough water, because the fibers attract the fluid, etc., um, and make you less constipated. And also, apparently, I haven't tested this myself, but like white chocolate is apparently very good for a bit of lubrication. Fair enough. <laughs> Which way? <laughs> Assume boats, but let's go with top down here. <laughs> Don't be getting like a square of dairy milk. That's gonna be problematic. 
That's going to be causing those fissures we talked about earlier. Don't do that. I, I just, I just knew that if we did not specify, was that being go. said, I, I did interview in a sex shop once, and you can get cho white chocolate flavored lubricant. So perhaps there is a market for that. Oh, oh dear. That being said, don't drink lubricant to help with. Uh, it shouldn't be so damn tasty there. Jack! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're only meant to get it in small doses, and well, I, I, I suppose you are meant to orally ingest it. Let's not go that far. <laughs> anyway. Otherwise, what's the point of them being flaked? Sorry. I, <laughs> let, let's, let's just. <laughs> Oh god! You can tell what kind of moods we're in today, just because it's just been like tangent, tangent, tangent. <laughs> Fuck this oh, shit, tangent. Just gotta sit here and deal with this. Oh god. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Um. We have another half an hour, and um, I'm out of questions. So, what would you like to talk about? Is there anything left that you would like to talk about in terms of your illness or would you like to move on to your mental health stuff? Because I know that you wanted to talk about that a bit. I do have a couple of questions on the back burner as well in case we want them. Uh, I'd like to touch on the mental health for a bit, I think. Uh, I made a cheat sheet with stuff that I... <laughs> <laughs> Need needed to say I'm just going through that quickly. I think most of it has been said already. Uh, no, that's about it. Okay. Um, Arthurus, would you like to uh, go over your questions and then we yes. move on to the mental health stuff? Or yep, sounds good. Uh, so the first question was just going to be about menstruation, actually. do Does it actually cause any further issue, obviously, with, you know, pressure and things like that? Do you find that it makes any of your symptoms worse? Or does it not interact really at all? Um, I usually get diarrhea around that week and a lot, a lot of bloating, just a lot of gas, basically. Like I, I can my my belly can look like a balloon that week. Mm. I've had people congratulate me with my pregnancy, <laughs> yeah. which is nice. But yeah, mostly just bloating, uh, lots of gas and diarrhea. That week's usually worse than the other weeks, which is just mm. hormonal. Apparently, the doctor tells me just all that stuff going on. Yeah. Fair enough. And then the other question was just about uh, differences between IBS and IBD. Uh, so I need to... Yes, yeah, so you've got irritable is... bowel syndrome. Yeah. And inflammatory bowel disease, I think, uh, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are classified as autoimmune diseases. Uh, they don't know exactly what causes it, but there's genetics involved and diet and all sorts of things that just not completely show what causes it. And I think irritable bowel syndrome um, isn't an illness per se, but I think it's the name for a, a series or a, a certain... Um, Siri. Can we not? 
my, sorry, my, my phone just went, do you need anything? I think she thought that I said, hey, see, um, okay, we're putting that away. Uh, <laughs> um, I think uh, irritable bowel syndrome isn't like a diagnosis and it, uh, it, um, it's like a collection of symptoms that they label as irritable bowel syndrome, but it can be very different between, between people mm. and there's not like one... Um, identifiable cause that causes these symptoms. It's not like with colitis or Crohn's disease, like it's autoimmune or there's white blood cells attacking something or whatever. It's more a collection of symptoms that they don't have another explanation for. Basically, IBS is just uh, yeah. them going, we have no fucking clue. That's IBS. Because uh, <laughs> the thing yeah, is, so there's like, so many different things. Yeah, the symptoms are real and the pain <laughs> is real and the struggles are real, but they don't know a cause or whatever. And that's usually when they jump to uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Like people that they think have Crohn's or uh, colitis and then they do a colonoscopy and they can't find anything and it's all clean and there's no like physical things that they can identify. It's usually it's IBS because yeah. we don't see anything. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah. Um, honestly, I I am highly skeptical as to whether IBS is actually a disease. Yeah. Not to say that people aren't experiencing that. I no, I agree. You have mm -hmm. something. It's just that currently. Medicine doesn't have a definition for what it is that you yourself are experiencing, or they have the in they don't have the ability to identify it um, currently, and it, it's kind of the same as how like mental health was originally um, classified. It's it there was no classification of depression and anxiety and etc uh, etc. Et it it was all mania. It was all. Well, unfortunately, we, we don't know what's up with you, and it's uh, uh, um, off to uh, uh, a special place to hide you away. That It's that kind of level of reaction. Hopefully. At least they aren't uh, treating women for hysteria anymore with the, uh, the old way. I mean, it sounded like they were having lots of fun. Uh, <laughs> well, the doctors weren't. It kept resulting in carpal tunnel. For anyone that... <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, mental illness in women, and I, I, I mean, like, specifically cis women, uh, was, was treated with orgasms. And uh, that's why the vibrator was invented, because the male doctors who had to administer the treatment kept ending up with wrist issues and with arm pain. And so they had to invent a machine to do it for them. Ta-da! There came the Hitachi. So, uh, yeah. Uh, appara you apparently, complaining? that's what, <laughs> what the doctors were. I, d I don't think any woman today is uh, unhappy about the creation of the vibrator. Uh <laughs> I think most are fine with it. I mean, it's much cheaper than the copay on the doctor's visit, so... <laughs> Anyway, there we are. Did you track any... those actual medical facts? I just know fun medical facts. So, <laughs> have you got any further questions? 
Althermas? Nope. Nope. Sorry. Cool. No, I just read a comment in the <laughs> oh. chat and my brain went completely out of the fucking window. Yep, the first vibrator was created in Egypt, which was a wooden cylinder filled with bees. <laughs> oh, poor All right, bees. Eden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wasps are angry. Maybe they were an upgrade. <laughs> and then hornets, if you need, like, the super special edition. Oh, God. <laughs> like, like, are there, like, different levels of bee that you can purchase for it? Like, yeah. if you've got bumblebees, it's, like, you know, super... Um... Yeah, yeah, because you've got the honeybee, which isn't as pissed, and then you've got the regular bee, and then you have the wasp, and then you have the hornet. So, that just sounds like what a man would name a vibrator, doesn't it? <laughs> a bee. Yeah, the bee, the wasp, and the hornet. Oh, dear. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. Um, let's talk about your mental health. So, um... All I can think and, of and is uh, prescribing a vibration with bees in it. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, um, so you said that your um mental health issues originated from uh being bullied in school. Would you like to enlighten us about a bit more about that and the journey that you experienced with that? Yeah, so uh, the bullying started when I was seven years old, I think, seven or eight years old. I was in my second year of primary school. Um, we had a teacher, it was his first year, fresh out of college or out of uni. He had never had a class before, and it was the class with all the bullies and problematic children. And so you can imagine how well that, that went. Um, oh. I'm still here. Uh, the okay. window behind me, the sun's coming by, so it's just making loads of white flashing, which is going to be really bad for anyone with ocular issues. So, uh, camera's off. It's a okay. We've we, we just traded places. Don't don't worry, guys. It's... I'm just trying not to cause anyone a migraine. <laughs> anyway, um, continue. Yeah. So yeah. Hmm. Um... They started picking on me. It already started in the first first year of primary school, but it continued into the second. They started picking on me because I got good grades, uh, because I had freckles, and because I was a little bit of a know-it-all, which, you know, apparently that rubbed some people the wrong way. Um, there was one kid, like the notorious bully in our class. He waited after school around the corner every single afternoon to kick me in the shins on both sides before I went home. Um or on the playground uh, during school breaks, uh, they would they would all be uh, playing I don't know hide and seek or tag or something. And whenever I asked if I could play with them, uh, they always told me no, bitch or fuck off, bitch or something. And these were seven or eight year olds, so what the hell? Um, and my parents started noticing that my grades were starting to go downhill because you know all that stuff was playing in my mind constantly and the big um breakthrough uh came when that same bully uh threw me into the pond across the street from where i lived there was like a, a stream there 
And he threw me in there. And I, I, there were two guys on the other side, like 16-year-olds. They saw it happen, so they jumped into the pond to get me out because, you know, <laughs> uh, there was mud and it wasn't uh, that shallow and stuff. So they mm. dragged me out and they brought me home. So I arrived home completely covered in mud. And, um, and then in the evening, that was the big breakthrough. Uh, I had already gone in the shower and I was in my bed in my pajamas and the, uh, the doorbell rang and my mom opened the door and it was uh, the bully that threw me in there with his mom. Apparently he had been acting weird throughout uh, to dinner or at dinner at their place and she kept nagging until he told uh, her what he had done. So he told her that he threw me in the, in the stream etc and she dragged him into the car by his ears and he had to come to our front door and apologize to me <laughs> and i still i still remember like the pajamas i was wearing and everything and then after that uh, i think another parent gave my parents the address of a, a therapist but for kids specifically uh, and i went to that lady a couple of times and she taught me all about you know being more assertive and if kids yell at you or call you frecklehead or whatever to yell something back or whatever, you know, stand up for yourself instead of just going, okay, bye. And the bullying stopped in primary <laughs> school, but ever since there's always been this little, you know, voice in my head whenever, you know, you walk down the street and there's a group of people standing there chatting and laughing and this voice in your head's like, they're, la they're, la they're, they're laughing at you or they're making fun of you. Um, and that was sort of like the the seed that was planted that has caused, I think, a lot of my mental health issues now. Just this constant fear of being disliked by people in any shape or form. Uh, which was like made more intense partially by my mom. She has um, in like an in immense inferiority complex, basically. Like... But she's so far down that road that she can't see anymore that she's doing it to herself. The whole, I can't do anything right here anyway. Nobody likes me. No one calls me. No one's interested in how I'm doing, etc. She's so far down that road that she doesn't realize it anymore. But that had a huge effect on me because I'm a very emotional person. I soak up emotions really easily from people around me. And that just had an effect on my mental health as well. And then, of course, with the whole chronic illness thing when I was 16 and having to postpone all the stuff like that you normally do in puberty. Um, it has sort of stayed with me uh, to this day, this social anxiety that I'm working on. Uh, I've had like two episodes of depression the past couple of years. And I went back into therapy, I think, in January this year because I couldn't deal with stuff at work anymore. Just loads of anxiety and they don't like me and I'm not going to have a job anymore, etc. Just got to the point where I was like, OK, I have to go back to therapy now and fix this or, you know, work on this because I can't keep going like this. So that's something that we're working on now. Mentally, it's a lot better already. Like, I don't have that instant reflex anymore of... They're laughing at you. You can't do anything right. No one likes you. You're just stupid. You're just this. Um, you're just this. You're just that. The thing I struggle with the most now is body positivity. Like liking myself physically, like the way I look, etc. That's the hardest thing for me now that we're working to. So yeah, <laughs> long story rambling. But yeah, that's uh, the gist of it. And what have you been finding that's been helping you in the therapy? Like, what's, what's um, been the thing that kind of clicked with you? She had this stack of 
cards, the therapist, with like positive um, traits of a person. Like this whole stack of cards. And this was after a couple of weeks where I had to fill in like uh, a scheme or a table every day with how I was feeling scaled from zero to 10 and where I had to plan like fun activities for myself. And then she took out a stack of cards. She was like, I'm going to go over all the cards and every card you think um, matches you or your personality, we're going to put on the table. And she started putting down cards. And in the end, only like 10 of the cards were still in the stack and all the rest was on the table. It was like this table clot almost of cards, all sorts of personality traits. And she was like, this is, this is you, this is all in there. And that was just, that was really confronting to me. Well, that's, I mean, just, that sounds... Just that, that idea of that's all in there, but I'm just too scared to stand up for myself. Or to say, hey, this is me, deal with it. It's... Like, I've got this, I, I have all these traits and I am a good person and... I mean, just, yeah. just looking, just just looking at you, the the fact that when you're saying it, it, you can tell that it has made a very positive impact on you. Yeah, and definitely. that's not to say that it it's changed everything and it's fixed everything. It, it just that you you can see that it has had a a step in the right direction um, for yeah. you. Yeah, ever since then, it's become more and more easy to accept the fact that, you know, I'm pretty cool. I have pretty nice personality traits. I can, I, I'm pretty good, but like nice person to be around. Ever since then, it's it started to become easier and easier to accept that fact. So we've put that like aside more in the latest sessions. And now we're focusing more on um, accepting how I look like physically. So the brain bit or the mental bit, we're getting there, but it's the other bit that we're working on now. But yeah, mm. that was a huge breakthrough for me. And I assume that the the um, feelings about your appearance stem from mm -hmm. the whole bullying about the freckles and everything. Yeah, or is yeah, it, or is I it... think I think it's that mostly. Yeah, just. People laughing at my, my freckles in primary school. And also, I think just this whole skipping in, in puberty of, you know, uh, growing up and getting the body of a woman instead of a girl and, you know, learning to cope with that and exploring your sexuality and all that stuff. I feel like I kind of missed that boat or missed that, that bus. And that I'm still like playing catch up now, which is fine, you know. <laughs> um, there's still plenty of time, but yeah, I feel like it's it's just that mostly. Like I I I haven't accepted uh, how I look yet fully, or that I'm not aware of that the fact that other people don't see me the way that I see myself, sorta. Like when I arrive at the mirror in the morning, nine times out of ten it's like, ugh, why bother, you know? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are like, but why? You're nice. You're this. You're <laughs> Yeah, I just sort one. of have to accept that, uh, you know, it's pretty okay. And sure, there are some traits or whatever or things about my body that I don't like, but everyone has those. 
I think that plays a massive part as well. Just the fact that on Instagram and social media and everywhere, it's always like the perfect body and the, you know, the post pictures and all that. And that's just not a very realistic image that that's being painted of women or the bodies of women or. Yeah, I can, I can definitely identify with, with all of that. Um, mm -hmm. And as you said, the whole looking in the mirror thing in the morning, I try to avoid it as much as possible. Yeah. I only yeah. have one in my bathroom and I don't use it unless I have to. So. Hey, yeah. One of my assignments now uh, is to go to the mirror every morning and name one positive thing about myself. Therapist's order, so I'm trying to, but... The end of the week, it's like, oh, I can't, I can't say the same thing that I said earlier this week, and I don't, can't find <laughs> anything else that's like worth mentioning. <laughs> We're learning, though. Well, I'm glad that you're on a a positive journey with that. Um, mental health is something that um, is very, very difficult to get um, under control for a lot of people, and it sounds like you're on a very good journey for for your own um yeah. development and that um are you taking medication or are you have you been just doing I have the therapy in the past, uh i have in the past like my my previous episode of like depression and panic and anxiety uh i was on medication uh, anti antidepressants, uh, but we stopped those after a while because the cons started to outweigh the pros. I was getting like palpitations, and I wasn't feeling as sad anymore, but I wasn't feeling happy anymore either. It was just sort of this permanent state of meh. <laughs> and after therapy uh, uh, did its work, uh, we felt like it was the right time to like. Uh, wean off the medication and this this second time since january we haven't started it because the doctor could see that it wasn't uh a good call that the mm. the pros wouldn't outweigh the cons yeah. and my therapist already knew me from like the last time so we could like start working on the things that really worked for me pretty quickly and when you um get to um one of your low points um is there something specific that you find helps you i always try to fall back to the the exercise that the therapist gave me with i think they call it like a five five g scheme or something uh in dutch i don't know what the name is in in english um like when i've calmed down a bit, bit or even like now it's easy enough that I can do it while I'm still in like the the annoying or the um, frustrating bit. Uh, you write down and you just do it mentally like, okay, so how am I feeling right now? What was the cause to feel like this? Uh, what happened? And then what is another way to look at this or something? And then there's one more step. It's basically forcing yourself to constantly do the mental exercise of hey, I'm feeling like shit right now because this happened. Why do I feel like shit because this happened? And is there another way I could look at this uh, that doesn't like sound like the apocalypse to me personally? 
um, and that works. But it really depends on how much energy I have. Like with my illness and stuff, if I am having a really, really bad day energy-wise, like I'm super fatigued, it is way harder to uh, have the mental fortitude to do that exercise. Like then it's just easier to go, no, everything sucks, I'm shit, and I'm just gonna lie here and close. Paige, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a question? No, I mean, that pretty much covers it all, to be honest. Uh, Apart from, well, I guess my only other question is one that we usually end up asking is, from your experience with both mental health and with disease, what advice do you give to somebody else who may have hear this and go, oh God, that sounds like me for, for any, any of the things that we've discussed today? Like, what do you recommend people do? It sounds cliche, but talk about it. Um, if you have a good GP, like a doctor that you trust and that you can talk to, tell them, they'll listen, they'll point you in the right direction. If you have a doctor that you don't feel you can talk to this stuff about, then if you have the possibility, please try another doctor. Um, if you struggle with any of this mental health stuff, be it depression, anxiety or whatever, and you feel like it's it's causing your life to be less fun or less good than it could be, look for therapy if you have that possibility. And also, if it doesn't click with your therapist, don't feel ashamed to go to another therapist. It's it's so important, honestly, to have a therapist that you connect with, that understands your way of communicating. Like, my first therapist wasn't a match at all. Like, I'm a gamer, I have a lot of friends to gaming that live in the UK or something, and she literally said, like, do you also have real friends? <laughs> and that was like the side of okay this person does not understand like the world that i'm living in right now um but yeah and if you you're too scared to go to a doctor or go to a therapist straight away talk to a friend uh, a loved one family whoever you have near you that you can talk to about this stuff yeah maybe the cliche answer but it's a good one that well, everybody gives, which can only mean it's good advice if every single person has come to it on their own terms. Yeah, exactly. It sounds cliche, but it worked for me as well. And I know several other people that it worked for. It's just getting over that hurdle of actually taking that first step. It, does that go the same for IBD as well? Like if you know, you're starting to notice something doesn't feel quite right. I have a, or... I have a very practical tip for IBD or, mm -hmm. you know, to be on the lookout for symptoms and stuff. When you go, <laughs> when you go to the toilet and you have to, you know, um, I don't know if that, you have to drop something. You have to, uh, you know, in, in the toilet, if you have to poop, look at it first before flushing. I know that sounds really, really stupid. But if I had done that earlier, uh, they could have caught my colitis the first time way earlier. Because according to the doctors, I had already been losing blood for like nine months up to that point. Just little amounts mm. every time I went to the bathroom. So <laughs> it sounds really dumb, but look at your poop before you flush. Make sure that it all looks like normal poop. Mm -hmm. And if you do have symptoms or anything, don't be afraid to go to the doctor and talk about it. And don't be ashamed when you end up at a gastroenterologist or something and you have to get a colonoscopy or whatever. 
it may be really embarrassing for you, but these people are used to it. They they don't see anything all day except butts and insides of people. And those are not all like healthy 16-year-old butts. There's like old people butts and stuff as well. <laughs> They spend all day around butts and poop and intestines and stuff. So exactly. Yours ain't, yours ain't going to be anything they've never seen before. I mean, to be no, fair, exactly. likelihood is 80% of those uh, butts and insides are going to be people over uh, um, uh, 60. So, you know, it's... They it's a change of pace. It's just refreshing. Something <laughs> else to deal with. You're the highlight of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing your butt to us. dear um and here's one just just because this this conversation um actually um reminded me of something what's the weirdest thing a doctor has said to you that was after they removed my gallbladder um a couple of years ago i woke up and my husband was with me already and the doctor came in and he had my the gallstone uh with him and he went like, yeah, the surgery went smoothly and uh, the gallbladder came out fine. But uh, that usually goes really well with uh, young, good-looking women like yourself. That was really awesome. <laughs> it was all... He almost did the finger good thing. Like... <laughs> and my husband and I were just like... <laughs> that surgery usually goes really smoothly with young women like yourself. <laughs> Nothing like taking out a sexy gallbladder, honestly. Like, mm, yeah, yeah. The other one is the doctor that thought my brother was my son, which is kind of weird as well. I was 17 then, and my brother was 13. Is this your son? Mm, no. <laughs> yeah, no. When I get people that come to the door, they still ask me if my mum's home, and it's like, no, oh, God. Oh. Now, I can give you her address if you want to go check, but no, oh, God. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing a doctor ever said to me uh, was, so I've split my kneecaps open twice down to like the fatty layers, essentially. So it looks like bone and it's like, oh, God, that's good. The first time I freaked out a French family so much because there was just pools of blood on the floor. Like, you, you know, like horror films, you'll just see pools. Yeah, it was that. It was just that coming out my legs. That was fun. Um, but the second time I did it, I so this is going to sound really gross, but I hit a rock coming off my bike. And some of my legs still stayed with the rock. And obviously we didn't take the rock with us. And it, so it just left a crater in my knee. And the doctor just looked at me and went, I don't know how to fix this. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. So he just ended up cross-stitching it back together just to pull all four bits. And he was like, this should work. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're just cross-stitching my legs back together. All right. All right, cool. So... Yeah, he's like, don't do this again, because I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it was like, oh, cool. Yeah, so that's fun. That's good. I, I, I keep finding those photos of the, of the wounds on my Google, like, Google photos and just be like, oh, yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Um, that, was, that was a weird day. The uh, weirdest thing that I've ever had said to me by a doctor is... Um, uh, you have a very attractive um, pancreas. <laughs> Interesting choice of words. <laughs> it must have its roots done or something, or? 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if that, if that doctor ever invites you to go somewhere with like a bathtub filled with ice, be very careful. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Have a nice Chianti and some fava beans. Like, oh, oh no. Dear. Well, it was a woman. Um, so. Uh... I mean, we ain't going to judge. We aren't going to judge. Anyone can be a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um... No pink shaming the people that like pancreases. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, I guess. Um, mm. anyway, um, any, any last words that aren't about my sexy pancreas? Uh <laughs> oh, that, well, that one is going to come back to bite you at some point. You know, you're going to get a birthday card that's just got a sexy pancreas yeah, on it. Yeah. With like fishnet stockings and. <sighs> I'll know where it's you from. Need a new uh <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um. So, any any parting words, statements, thoughts? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's all been said. Yeah. Okay. Um. Right. Can I get some shout-outs in the chat for Arthurus and Sugar Pixie, please? Um. Next uh podcast will actually be next week. Um, with Papa Bear, and we're talking about sex, so that's going to be fun. Oh, um, that's going to be a good one. Uh, <laughs> we can bring up that pancreas. So <laughs> this was the warm up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had to talk poops, so and now we can actually talk butts. I mean, we could probably actually talk both anyway, because uh, you know those things happen anyway. Um, revisit the Egyptian piece. Yes, we'll see if we can yes, find a model. Do. Covered in bees is definitely going to take on a whole new meaning now. Um... <laughs> I mean, not if you're a Deezard. That That's still... <laughs> he does talk about seducing beekeepers. Sorry, she does still talk about seducing beekeepers, so... Uh, but... Thank you guys for joining us. Um, thank you, Sugar Pixie, for sharing your story with us and chatting shite with us. Quite literally sometimes. Um, <laughs> and uh, yes, thank you all for listening in and I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Uh, next, as I said, Through Our Eyes um, podcast will be next Thursday. Next general stream will be Sunday. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening or day. I hope you have a good rest of your week. And I hope you have a good weekend. Um, yes, if you'd like to uh, keep in contact, follow us all on the socials and join mm. the discords. And uh, we shall see you all soon. Say bye all! Bye! <laughs> bye! <laughs> bye.